Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. And here's Pastor Ben to introduce today's message. Greeting, friends. We've just begun a new study here on Restored for Life called The Lion Revealed, and I want to welcome you back. Last week, we began Jesus's evaluation of seven churches in various stages of effectiveness and faithfulness. He had some pretty difficult to hear judgments and corrections for the church of Ephesus, but there are some great truths in his correction for us today. When believers sin and fall short of God's will for their lives, there are three things the Lord told his church and tells us today as well. First, to remember. Second, to repent. And third, to repeat. First, remember what the word of God tells us. Second, repent or turn from sin and repeat or begin doing the things he's told us to do over and over as we walk in obedience to his word. Now let's continue on in our study of the Church Revealed, part two. Put a ring on his hand. This was a signet ring. When you have the Father's ring, you can do the Father's business. The Father restores him completely at that moment. You're my son, you're not my servant. He put sandals on his feet. He was walking barefoot. Bring the fatted calf here. They're going to celebrate. Kill it. Let's eat it and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Isn't that great? See, when you repent you come back to Christ, or you repent and you come to Christ for the first time, there's a celebration. Not only here, but there's a celebration in heaven, we're told. The angels celebrate. Listen, you were created with a God-shaped vacuum, a hole in your heart that nothing else will ever replace. Nothing can, can fill that hole that the world offers. Not alcohol, not drugs, not an illicit relationship. Not anything down here on earth, not success, not money, nothing will fill that. Only God and His love can give you everything you're looking for. Listen, when we forget our first love, the the first act towards being restored is to remember God's love and grace for us and His mercy that is new every morning. And then we're to repent change our mind and our direction and to head home as quickly as we can. When you remember the goodness of God and you repent, get home. Come home. Three corrections we need to make. Number one, remember. Number two, repent. And number three, repeat. You say that word? I don't see that word here. Well, I see it in the Greek. Verse 5, remember, that's our first one, therefore from where you have fallen, repent, that's our second one, and do. Now this word do is also in the present tense with continuous action. So do it now and keep on doing it. Do it over and over. Repeat it every day, every hour. Do it over and over and over. The first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I will take your influence 
from you unless you repent. Jesus now closes with some encouragement here. Verse 6, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, the Lord says. Now the Nicolaitans were a sect of false teachers and believers that practiced sexual immorality and other physical sins. They sent out teachers into the churches. As I said, Paul would leave and they would come in. And they'd say, no, it's okay. Actual sexual immorality is okay because it's just a sin against flesh and the flesh is nothing. You just don't want to sin against the soul. But they're tied together. Clearly, that's, that goes against Scripture. And Jesus hates that teaching, He says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise, the paradise of God. Sadly, today, the church of Ephesus, who was once a bright star, a bright light in that region, became a dark pile of rubble and dirt now. You can visit it, but all you see is the rocks that were left behind, the stones. Their lampstand is gone, along with their influence for the kingdom. Listen, friends, are we, we are not responsible for what took place in this valley before we got here. You were either born here or you, you came, you fled to the... <laughs> okay, I better leave that off. We'll edit that out. Um, or you came here for, for, for another reason. You're not responsible for what took place before this. Just as, as you and I are not responsible for what happens if the Lord tarries and, and we're called home through death, we're not responsible for what happens after that. But let me tell you that you and I, this church, we're responsible for what happens in between. In the dash, you and I are responsible for it. Our light is burning brightly right now. But let's not get cocky and let's not get careless. May our love for Jesus never grow cold. May we always remember who we serve and what it took for you and I to be restored. That should always be fresh on, on our minds. Those who place their trust in Jesus will eat of the tree of life and secure their eternity in Him. So we've seen church number one, Ephesus, the casual church. I would call it also the careless church. They were careless with their love, unfortunately. Now let's look at the uh, church number two, Smyrna, the crowned church. This, by the way, if I could pick any of the seven for restored community church to be like, it's this one, Smyrna. And you'll see why as we go forward here. Verse 8, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life, Jesus Christ, the lion. This is what he has to say about Smyrna. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which, are about, which you are about to suffer. 
Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. If I could preach one message, that's what the message would be. To, if I got to stand among our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, don't be afraid. The persecution is here. It's horrible. I'm not downplaying that. But listen, you may lose your life here, but the second death, there is no second death for the believer. There's only life. You'll not be hurt by the second death. Smyrna, now called Izmir, is still an active community today, some 2,000 years after this letter was written. As I see it, Jesus only commends this church. In fact, He reminds them of the crown of life that will be rewarded to them, as well as to all believers, when we stand before the Bema seat of Jesus Christ, and He rewards each one of us according to the faith and actions and our obedience to what He told us to do down here. Jesus said He saw their works, their tribulation and poverty. Now Smyrna was a vibrant Roman city that was full of idol worship, especially of Caesar himself. If you were here last week, you knew you had to call him Lord God if you were in his presence. You didn't say, hey Caesar. You said, uh, Lord God. That's how they, they referenced him. While the Jews living there uh, and there were many, it was a large population at this time of history, uh, they were allowed to practice their faith with no interference. But the Christian faith was not recognized by Rome. They were shunned by society because they would not rec um, yield to, to calling Caesar Lord and Savior or Lord God. So they were shunned by the Romans. And then they were shunned by the Jews because they, they confessed Jesus was the risen Messiah. So they were really all on, left on, all on their own. Try to do commerce that way. Try to get a job that way. They were poor, at least financially. But Jesus says, nah, you're rich. He called them rich. They were rich spiritually and heavenly speaking. Their treasure was awaiting them in the world to come. As stated before, there's no condemnation given to Smyrna by Jesus, so we'll skip over that. He only exhorts them to remain faithful as the coming persecution was going to increase. They would suffer greatly at the hands of the Romans, turned over to the authorities by their Jewish brothers, and reviled in their community. But Jesus reminded them that just as He was an overcomer and that He overcame persecution and death, he rose again from the grave. They would be overcomers as well if they remained faithful to the end. Jesus also reminded them that the crown of life awaited them in the life to come. See, that's, that's what I would encourage all of us, not just our brothers and sisters over in the Ukraine, all of us. When you're going through something, now listen, as the, the, the grains of sand run out of this, uh, this clock, we're coming down to the end. I really believe that. You know, everything, you read what, what, is a, what the world is going to look like when Jesus comes back in the rapture and calls us home. Well, 
It's all happening right now, every bit of it. Now China's saying they're going to make a move. Now North Korea is emboldened to make a move. The war, wars have started, the rumors of wars. There's so much to that. But listen, if we, stop, if we only keep our eyes down, what happens when we get upset and when the news happens? Our eyes are cast down, David said in the Psalms. What does God say? God says, keep your eyes up. Listen, as, this, as these things are happening, as the world is falling apart, it's not falling apart, it's falling into place. God has a plan. He's reigning on the floor, on, the, on His throne. He is not wringing His hand. He never says, oh no, look what Putin did. What shall we do? Never. That never comes into His mind. This is all part of His plan. He says, listen, when all this, these things happen, stop looking down, look up for your redemption comes nigh. Keep your eyes on me, Christian. I'll take you all the way to the finish line. If we only want what He wants, let's keep our eyes on Him. If He turns left, we'll turn left. If He turns right, that's what we'll do. That's a good way to to live your life all the way to heaven. So we've seen church number one, Ephesus, the casual church, careless church. We've witnessed church number two, Smyrna, the crown church. The church crowned and congratulated, really, by God, by Christ. Next, let's look at church number three, Pergamos, the contradicting church. Pergamos is the contradicting church. First, we hear the commendation from Christ. Verse 12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things, says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Now Satan's throne is a reference to the extremely pagan Roman city being the governmental seat of power in this region. And it had a large Roman army presence. Notice here that John points out that Jesus' words are like a sword. The church of Pergamos honored the sword of Christ, His word, over the sword of their Roman rulers, even after one of their brethren was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. He would not stop saying that Christ was the Messiah and the only one worthy of, of worship. And so they, they martyred him. They killed him. But the church continued. They were faithful. But now we hear the condemnation of Christ. Verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, you have there in your church those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, the king, to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Those you, thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now listen, I don't have time to teach all four chapters on Balaam and and King Balak from Numbers 22 to 25. You can read that 
when you get home. But in a nutshell, Balaam was a gifted prophet that prostituted his God-given gift in order to make money off of anyone who would pay him for prophesying. Now, King Balaam hired him. He wanted to know, how do I, I want to curse Israel, and I want to know how to destroy them. God wouldn't let um, Balaam do that. But he, he did get enough information from Balaam that, that um, he learned how to set a trap for Israel. He knew their Achilles heel. And he set up this thing with women, and well, it was a drunken night, and the Israelites fell right into it, as they did often. The church, Pergamos, had allowed people inside of it who promoted worship to both God and Caesar and taught that sexual sin, like that of adultery, uh, was allowed for a believer in a perverted doctrine called the Nicolaitan that we talked about earlier, and the Gnostics promoted this as well. It's interesting that they allowed these folks inside of their church in a seeming attempt to coexist. Now where I come from in that land that starts with C and ends with A, I won't tell you, I'll keep it vague. <laughs> There's this bumper sticker that says coexist. Have you ever seen it? And it has all these different religions on it. Listen, we can't coexist because we stand in, in direct opposition to that and they to us. God's Word is true. We can't mix it and water it down and have any integrity. But that's what they were doing. Um, yeah, you guys are okay. Come on inside. Yeah, we know we don't, we don't necessarily agree with that, but you know, let's all get along. The word Pergamos means marriage. But they had forgotten that they were married to Christ and Christ is a jealous husband. And that allowing this doctrinal harlot to live among them was inviting sin into their union. Now let's look at the correction from Christ here. Verse 16, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them, the Nicolaitans, with the sword of my mouth. In effect, he's saying, look, you take care of this. Who's the pastor of this church that allowed this to happen? You take care of this or I'll take care of it and it'll be ugly. While their brother Antipas was struck down with a Roman sword, Jesus was saying that the church of Pergamos would feel the sword of Christ if they didn't remember, repent, and repeat. Jesus gives the individual believer two promises here, as well as the church. Verse 17, He says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Is there anything in our lives that we need to cut out? Is there anything in our lives that doesn't belong there. We should allow the sword, this surgical sword, to come in and cut it out. We're married to Christ. We don't want to be playing with stuff that we ought not. He who has an ear, let him hear. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. God provided manna, as you know, for His people in the desert. What should have taken a two-week trip ended up turning into 40 years for their disobedience. But all along the way, He provided this manna, this bread for them to eat, to sustain them and to strengthen them. 
And what Jesus is saying, listen, those that follow me, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to sustain you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to walk you all the way home to heaven if you stay with me. Verse 17 is a reference to those who reject the false worship in this world. Caesar in their day and and sexual immorality in their day. And I would say there's not a lot of difference today. Both are present in idol worship. But if we reject that, the hidden manna, Jesus said, I'll be there for you. I'll be there with you. The bread of life to sustain us. And, listen to this. This is where it gets really curious this morning. If you're nodding off, just sit up right now because you're going to want to hear this. And, And I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except whom, him who receives it. Now what is this white stone? Well, it represents three things in, in, in their culture. And, 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 and listen if you can't hear the spiritual interest here. In the ancient world, a white stone was used as a ticket to get into a banquet. So if, if, the, uh, you, know, if the, you had a friend that, and at, at his house, he was going to invite a bunch of people over well, he would send these white stones out and he would write something on them. You know, you're invited, da-da-da-da-da. And, um, and send it out. And if you had one of these white stones when you approached his gate, uh, the guards would look and go, yep, come on in. You didn't have a white stone. You weren't coming in. That's number one. Keep that in your head. It was also a sign of friendship. If you wanted to show your appreciation and your friendship and your love for another person, you would oftentimes take a white stone and just say, hey, I love you, man. Thank you for always being there for me. And give it. It it was something that you kept and was valuable. It was a sign of friendship. Here's number three. It was a sign of an acquittal in a courtroom. If you were brought into a courtroom and charged with a crime, everybody knew it. But if you were acquitted, the judge would give you a white stone saying you've been acquitted of these charges. And so if someone said, hey, weren't you charged with something uh, two years ago? You could whip out that white stone and say, no, I was found not guilty. I was acquitted. And boy, I could chase this rabbit all the way to dinner. I mean, you, look at this. You, you, got, you got a ticket into the rich man's palace. Salvation, for sure. You've got a sign of friendship. Jesus says, I don't call you my servants anymore. I call you my friend, my brothers. And it was a sign of an acquittal in a courtroom. When you've received Christ's acquittal, that's all you need. You are forgiven completely. The secret name on the stone, though, is, is truly a mystery. Could this be a secret name in reference to God that no one knows but us when we get to heaven? Sure. I like to think of it this way, though. I think it could be a secret, enduring name in addition to what we're called now. Isn't that interesting? Maybe God is going to write a new name for you in heaven and hand it to you that only you know when He hands it to you. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. It could be could be something I haven't even thought of. There's just not enough information. I guess we'll just have to wait to get to heaven. 
flip that white stone over and look and see what it says. I just know one thing, it's going to be cool and I want one. <laughs> now, today we've covered three of the seven churches. Church one, Ephesus, the casual church. Church number two, Smyrna, the crowned church. Church number three, Pergamos, the contradicting church. Next week, we continue as we look at the congregation at Thyatira, the corrupt church. You don't want to miss this. It's a fascinating study. I hope you'll join us. Let's pray. Listen, friends, I understand there's a tendency in us to fear, but that is the flesh. It doesn't come from God. Listen, I've read the end of the book. I know how it ends, and there's no reason to be fearful. I hope you'll join us each week because we're going to give you reasons not to be fearful. First of all, we know that God raptures the church up before the most terrible things happen on earth, and we are in heaven as observers. We're protected. And then just at the right time, we're going to join Jesus as he returns in his second coming to earth where he conquers sin and Satan for the final time. God bless. Have a great week. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.